0: is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J-K? You
1: get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny.
0: Alongside Keith Bray, here's the voice of the Bucs, Jay Sandoz.
1: All right. Tuesday after a win, ETSU football rolls Carson Newman 42-0. They rolled like the thunderstorm. It rolled through for about uh, three hours. Rolling plus. thunder. It was. It was. Uh, and well, flying barons. A lot, a lot of talk, a lot of talk we had to do before, and then finally the red baron did take over.
0: Yes, he did. But I used flying
1: like the red baron uh, on the
0: uh, on the first touchdown I'm going to break one time.
1: You, I did not. Have, no, no, I
0: did you, not. no, you did not. I did not. No, I don't know what I said. I, I don't. I would be amazed if you remembered what you said because I don't. you were in like your seven, what, fifth, sixth hour on the air at that point. because uh, that was a first quarter touchdown, or was that second quarter? That was the, That was the second touchdown of the game.
1: Second touchdown of the game. I would have been. Hmm, let's see, four, five hours in. Exactly. Yeah, so plus. I would. I wouldn't remember what I said five hours in either. Yeah, the the worst mistake, and I think you even threw the thing at me of like, "Hey, we should come over and kill Tom." And then uh, it didn't dawn on me till we got in the game, and I randomly blurted something out, and I was like, "I don't why well, during the three hours I not have Keith and Mark just kill Tom and Wicked, and just took a walk." <laughs> and I think Robert We were doing nothing. I think Robert said, "Well, didn't you read a text that said so much of that?" And I'm like, "You know, he didn't just say it, but..." Yeah, he probably did say it. I don't know. I don't I, – honestly, you could just do what other people do, which is just randomly walk in here and I'll throw a headset on you. I mean, that, that, I, I that's what happens.
0: That. I, I mean, I just didn't want to interrupt y'all's flow. Oh,
1: my God, yes, because I could see you down there um, and, and – uh, you were so into it that if I said anything wrong, you were texting me immediately, uh, or if I didn't know an answer. Something. We were listening to, so you know how
0: we can get the the program feed in oh, yeah. the booth. Yeah, oh, yeah, we were listening to. That's it took how me I a while to figure that out. I was like,
1: "How's he listening? How's he responding so yeah. quickly?" because <laughs> yeah. I thought you were using the app or something, and didn't realize. But. Uh, I said, uh,
0: "Text us if you need us." Hut is getting antsy. Mark Hudson was kind of getting antsy in the booth, and like, so yes, you said as much. And, like, hey,
1: if you, uh, just, I'll come over anytime, and then yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, pretty much. I am mean, not smart. I'm not smart. It's okay. It's all right. That's um, that's part of why you hired me. Also, can I can I get
0: can I get can, can, can we get a Jay knows the English language? Oh my god. Can we get a Jay knows the English language? I have one. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? He texted me at two in the morning. Please, the number four. Ivory? and he never brought it up again.
1: So middle of the day on Wednesday, he sent me much, no, no, From, from Punctuation ever. He's gotta have letters missing from his keyboard. I'm still trying to figure that one out, bro. The back end of two basketball games and a football game in the same weekend. It was a oh 6 no. a.m. email that said "Shoe Runs Mo World." That's my favorite. Shoe runs. Meant, Who runs, runs world. the world? Girls. That Beyonce song, or was just a terrible shoe joke?
0: <laughs> <sighs> All right. Yesterday, Monday. a.m. A.m. I got all the stuff from Kevin Starwise. Don't worry about bringing me that today. Yeah. Kevin's Starwise. What is the Starwise? So, you know. I know what you were trying to say. No, a lot
1: of people want to talk about, you know, Stat packs and statistics and all that. I want to know star wise what Austin P has, and he gave it to me. That's what you wanted to know. No, I don't want to know that. I told you that I had that.
0: You you told me that you had that, but you
1: obviously wanted to know
0: that. That's why you took the initiative instead of just waiting for me to bring you I hand deliver you all your game notes like every week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am big time as talent and expect uh, you, you know, really you to bring you, me. Yeah, well, that just
0: tells me you're really getting up for Austin P. I'm getting frost
1: and pee. How about that? It, yeah. A, it's the next opponent, and the B, the Star wise. And B, I like blowing people's minds when I tell them that they got totally blown out by Southern Illinois by a lot more than Tennessee beat them. And, then yeah, it, was, and it was, and it was actually a lot worse than the final score at SIU. And the Tennessee people but just yeah. stare at me because they have no idea. Like, what, what, what are you talking about? Because, and this is how it always works. And this is every fan base. I'm not picking on anything. but whenever a Power Five team. Plays as vanilla as they can because they really don't care about the opponent they're playing, and they don't break out yeah. all the frills, and they, and they, you know, limp to a victory because they're playing, I don't know, an arch rival the next week in, let's say, Florida. Yeah. That they didn't want to show a lot. And they're going to Gainesville where they haven't won in 20 years. So, you know? you know, they probably didn't put a lot into that. I hate to say it. You know, they didn't respect their opponent. They just wanted to go vanilla and win, and that's fine. And they did because they have more scholarships and more athletes and all blah, blah, blah. blah. But in the same token, my favorite part of that is said fan base will turn around and look and say, man, I, that's a really good team. I mean, they're probably going to win their league or whatever. And I'm like, mm, you know, they're picked fifth in their league. Yeah. And they got hammered by Southern Illinois. And I'm not saying they will or won't beat ETSU. I'm just going to go to them and say they're not going to win their league. And they're probably going to finish middle of the back. That, that's what I'm going to go with.
0: Oh, who, would he, who will even win that league? Who will win the well, US that A- league has
1: turned over in like two years. I don't even know off the top of my head Who's if I could it? name every team in that league, and that's in Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, I can Off the top of my head, here we go.
0: Eastern Kentucky, Austin P, North Alabama, Central Arkansas. Is there one more A's in school? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to the wax side. Stephen F. Austin, Tarleton. Abilene Christian, Southern Utah, Utah Tech, UTRGV doesn't join until next year. Trying to remember if I'm, I I think I might have missed one, but I have my conference realignment spreadsheet that I can just pull up and tell you. But yeah, um, Austin P. decent in that league. Did I get them all?
1: I'm double checking. How about that? So, the only one I think I would have missed was Utah Tech. Yes, the I artist would, formerly I would, known as Dixie State. Right, right. Yeah. And that's probably why I would have missed him.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, there you go. That was, yeah, impressive. Like. Yeah, but that's, no, don't clap for that. That's not even a party trick. Stop it. Uh, that is... <laughs>
1: Who can name the UAC? All
0: right. uh, they can't even name they can't even give that conference a compelling no, name. No, that
1: on. that logo's something to be desired too. Mm-hmm. It just makes
0: me think of GAC, the like the totally not CMT music video channel from the early 2000s. I don't even know if that's still around.
1: Well, it took me like a quarter on the field of North Alabama mm-hmm. to figure out why there's no N. I was like, this UA is a very weird logo without having the N, and then it finally dawned on me. I was like, Oh yeah. See. But it did take me a while to figure that out. Yeah. You were oh, I was also You were looking for the N? Oh, U-N-A. I get it, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not even a joke. I literally was trying to figure out why the N wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's very odd-looking. Well, it's a very odd-looking U with some lines in it. Yes. And then I was trying to because figure they, out... Because they put, like, American flag iconography over the top of it. Like, they layered that in. It's not... So it's united. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so, so uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway Austin we, P. We are going to break down Austin P. A little later. I want to get into that. I, I will say, Austin P. Looked way better in Game Two than Game One, and they ran a lot of frills. And I'm not finished watching the game, but I think that said more about Tennessee wanted to run six plays in base and not do a whole lot of anything, and eventually. Better athletes and more money usually wins out in those games, and so they did. And also, by the way, Southern Illinois, who hammered um, Austin P went on to win at North uh, Northern Illinois, which was one of our pick sixes. We'll get to. I win. believe. I believe. Yes, one of us picked that game correctly. I, I don't know. We'll go over it later. I yeah. mean, there's no sense, you know, you know, talking about it now. I mean, we got other stuff. We could. Uh, you, no, want, you want to no, 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 get out of no, the way? Nope, nope, nope. No. I'm going to talk recap first, and then take my oh, ups okay. later. Little um, little. Okay. So. Let's uh let's jump into this. All right, so ETSU after the delay, clearly that was uh fun times for all. But once it got going, the good news is is the game just played. Like it was just yes. a game. It wasn't interrupted, yes. it wasn't and we'll go over some SOCON games a little later, but it was just you go play and and once and you got going. You had a thirty minute warm up, a little awkward, but once um you know, didn't run through the E, all that stuff. But once they teed it up, kicked it off, it was there. And the one thing that jumped off the page was this young defense that I thought played pretty well against Jacksonville State, I thought would um, maybe have some moments of lapses and stuff. And for the most part, they didn't. I thought they played really well. They were able to rotate a bunch of guys in. Um, defensive line looked good as well. Back end, you know, other than uh, Chris Hope and his calf and wanted we'll to you know, pay attention to that during the week, I thought, um, you know, Ray Coney continues to impress as a young guy, Jalen George continues to impress. I thought Hoskins, you know, was an animal. Steven Scott was able to blitz on third down and hit people. But that defensive line, again, that's a little thin, has been able to hold its own through the first couple of games. And to me, that's a good sign. Plus, they were able to rotate some guys in because that's the one question, right? The first team D, you kind of knew a lot. I mean, I had some questions at corner, but you kind of felt like Brantley and Evans had been there before. A couple linebackers have been there before. How would Teddy Wilson do? How would Hoskins do? How would the freshman do? Everybody else had at least seen some action, right? Jalen George hadn't either. So you had like six knowns, five unknowns. You know you're getting DeAndre Davis back at some point. How is this going to play out? And I thought so far through two games, I've been impressed in what Billy Taylor's been able to get out of these young guys. Mm -hmm. Now, they'll be tested, again, I don't want to get too far into Austin P. But some of the things schematically that Austin Peay does offensively, plus with a true running quarterback, is going to be um, a little bit of a struggle bus And because that quarterback is probably the better thrower of all the quarterbacks they have faced so far this season. So, A, he's the best quarterback they've faced so far, but B, he's a true dual threat that can throw. His next pass completion will pretty much get him to 5,000 career yards. He's at 4,998. So, unless he throws for negative or one yard, then he's going to get to 5,000 career passing yards. So, clearly, it's the best um, quarterback that they face, faced, throwing the ball, running the ball. But for what it was and when ETSU smoked blood in the water defensively, they were able to make the plays and make the stops.
0: Yeah, I thought the defense played really, really well. Um, like you said, the line – I mean, you see, you saw what this scheme is supposed to do when it works well, is the defensive line clears gaps for the linebackers to make plays team can't run the ball on you they get in second and long they get in third and long and then billy taylor brings the house um and and he can bring it from a lot of different directions he can heat you up with his with his um with his bowl linebacker steven scott which is the mike position he can heat you up with the bandit he can heat you up with the ram uh he'll do whatever and and i really think that particularly on third downs and this is a guy that they've shuffled around a little bit and I just don't know if they totally know what they want to do with him, but something is starting to coalesce around Hot Rod Fitton, where he is a pass rush weapon. And that's something, you and I have talked about this before, where does your consistent pass rush come from? Who's your guy that's getting to the quarterback? Because last year I think Chandler Martin led the team with like two and a half sacks. That's not very much. And the team in general didn't have a whole lot of consistent pass rush. Who is your guy when you need to go get the quarterback? Who's the player that you trust the most to get through, get home, and put him on his posterior? And I really feel like Fitton has taken a step toward being somebody that ETSU can look at as a blitz weapon who can get after the quarterback, who can be disruptive on the edge, and maybe that's just his identity. You know, I don't know how good he is. In, in, we haven't really seen him in coverage get tested. We haven't seen him do other things that, that would really test him, but as far as just getting to the quarterback, his get-off, his rip move to get through a guy, his ability to hurdle guys that try to cut him, uh, I, I think he's done great at getting to the quarterback, and when you team him up with somebody like Steven Scott, who is comfortable in this defense getting downhill, when you team him up with somebody like Hoskins, who is also able to heat you up, I really feel like Billy Taylor has a lot more tools in the toolbox than maybe he did a season ago, and that's going to make this defense really, really fun to watch up front. Now in the back, you mentioned Chris Hope, Got hurt, little calf thing. Tonquez ball, missed an interception. It went right through his hands. It was like that meme of the kid trying to catch the ball and just, like, the, wrap their hands around air and the ball hits him in the face. Like, that was kind of how it was. Because Tonquez, I mean, there was nobody else fighting him for that football, and he missed it. Uh, but other than that, I thought Tonquez played really well on Saturday. And that's somebody that, again, you had an opportunity to build a little trust in. I think you saw a little bit more trust for your backup corners. Josh Trice was fine. Khalil Anderson made an interception. A couple times he was in maybe a, a, a misalignment but overall you see the playmaking ability of a guy like that and that's why they brought him in. I, th- this defense is I just feel, I felt at the beginning of the year like the defense was going to ultimately in the final analysis be okay. Even though it was thin at corner and now I am more confident in that assessment of
1: this defense now than I was two weeks ago. So I, I'll tell you another name that I've not heard a lot about, but I thought Tyree Rainey, the, the, because all I've heard is, you know, basically if Hope or Arnold go down, we've got Tonic West ball and we got to figure it out. But I thought, I thought Tyree Rainey looked pretty good at safety, came up and wasn't afraid to make hits, and – uh, even when playing the passing game. So and he has been really on
0: the he was on the football all fall camp like in terms of just making plays in the pass game, PBU's picks. Uh, he was re, he I thought he had an okay camp. There there are still some things I think they want to work on with him uh, before they really trust him to get out there and, and play and be a player for them. But you're, you you
1: saw definitely some glimpses of a guy that can do the thing at this level. So, uh, you know, Defensively, I thought again, did some great things. ETSU um, got off the field, not a lot of penalties uh, as far as the defensive side of things. I want to go to special teams next because I thought that was really the big difference maker. It was, it, I think, all facets. I mean, one, they had one chance at a kick return, you know, so take that off the table. But they kicked short on purpose to work on coverage stuff. I think only one time Carson Newman. Uh, twice, I'm sorry, got beyond the 25-yard line. And that was early in the game. They had a couple, I thought, break down that close quickly. And in the second half, they corrected kind of some of those running lanes that they were giving on the kick coverage, which I thought was great because sometimes you don't get a lot of fire stuff. Able to do it. The punt game was incredible. Brac- Nate Brackett, 70-yard career-high punt, three times inside the 22, two inside the 10, three 50-plus yarders. He was great. Punk coverage was, was great. There was one protection breakdown, but Brackett got it off without it being blocked. That, And then the punt return game uh, was incredible because Anosh Carter was able to average 20 yards a punt return. Then he goes out with a uh, rolled ankle. Uh, Xavier Gallardets came in. Gallardets. And Gallardets uh, um, uh, actually had 19.5 yards per return, right? And so then you look at. Um, uh, 20 yards, 19-and-a-half, pretty solid there. And then, of course, they somehow missed the one block. Like, I don't know how it got in between. I've watched it a couple times, Uh, uh, you know, just didn't have their hands crossed or something. But they got a piece of it. And then the very next one was the one where Teddy Wilson blocked it and then Ray Coney was able to recover it, which, again, that's four times uh, in the past, uh, what is that, 13 games that they've got a block, three for a touchdown and one at the one-yard line. So, making special teams plays – and that goes into field position, which I was going to go into next. ETSU averaged their own 42-yard line. Carson Newman averaged their own 19. And so when you start there to there, that extra, you know, 30-plus yards that you have to go less to get a score for ETSU as opposed to Carson Newman is a, is a huge difference in the game. And kind of the reason I brought that up, because it was a field position game for the most part when ETSU played Jacksonville State. ETSU started at their own 22-yard line, where Jacksonville State started at their own 42. And you see the difference in the scores, right, 49-3, 42-0.
0: Yeah, no no doubt. And uh, Carson Newman just struggled to get the ball out of their own end once they did have it. I, I really didn't feel like they moved the ball all that well. Um, and some of that's credit to the, the defensive front. Some of it's just the fact that I honestly expected them to run more options, the true option stuff. speed option, stuff that gets the quarterback involved in the run game than they actually did. I think they only ran it two or three times, and in general, their offense looked like it was discombobulated. I really just did not know what to make of Carson Newman offensively, and ETSU never gave them a chance to breathe, uh, and special teams helped out a lot with that, too, because creating those short fields, you put them in holes, they're still trying to run the football. Uh, And because they, they try to throw it, and Fitton and Scott and Hoskins and West and everybody is just breathing down your neck. Uh, it was uh, it, it was a really and good effort for defense and special
1: Whitson got hurt. Their backup, Trey Luttrell, was hurt the previous week. Yes. Wasn't available to go. Then Martinez threw one long pass in which Stephen Scott blasted him on. Yeah. Um, and then they Myers, the transfer from Kentucky State. So, I mean, they've already had to play four quarterbacks out of necessity, which is never – never good for a team to begin with because, as as we're going to talk about here in a second with Barron May, when when you put all these different guys in, they all do different things. If you're not able to work on all these different things, it's just very difficult to come in those situations and live fire, especially when you're playing up in that game and ETSU at that point actually for the most part had a lead. He can just just like Jackson State, pin their ears back enough to worry about a lot and just go get the quarterback. It was tough. It was tough Carson.
0: It was. It wasn't. And offensively, I think what you wanted with no Tyler Rydell was for things to be as easy and straightforward and simple as they possibly could be for Baron May to guide your team to the result that you expected. And I think if I told you before the game ETSU is going to win 42 rip, if I told you three weeks ago, four weeks ago, ETSU is going to beat Carson Newman 42 rip, you say, yeah, okay, sure, that, that works. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's about what I would expect. A forty-two to nothing win over a division two school is about what you would expect for ETSU given the circumstances. And so, um, even with Tyler Idell being hurt, even with Jacksonville State not going as well as you wanted it to, you're still about where you where a lot of us thought that this team might be. You're one and one going into Austin P. Uh, this is the game where you're going to find out how good this team is.
1: In the overall scheme of things, at the beginning of the year, and we talked about this to Nauseam during the rain delay, was pretty much you had ETSU penciled one and one for the most part. You yeah. know, you might have had some yep. crazy people, too. There was crazy like a 30% chance there.
0: of winning the game, and there was a 10% chance yeah. that what happened happened, and well, 10% is not zero. So.
1: All right, so they're exactly where they are. They played uh, up. They played down. Now they're going to play equal the rest of the way, FCS, and one more, you know, non-con game. For Baron May, you know, the first quarterback to rush for over 100 yards since Austin Herring versus Kentucky Wesleyan, in which he set the school record for rushing yards for a quarterback in a game. Yep. Threw a couple touchdown passes. Uh, one, Will Hussey made it a little bit more of an adventure than he probably should have. And then the other one, uh, Baron. He, he uh, did a little bit. Uh, it like. I mean, That was the most. I, it's hard for Will Hussey not to look athletic, but he un, that that weird time jump that I'm not even sure he needed to jump. I think he just wanted to make a one-handed grab. I, I, that, that's what I'm blaming. You know what? I'm I him loved Hussey.
0: it. I call it art on the broadcast because it was it was a piece of art that was awesome to watch. Uh, the Guyard uh, the Guyardettes touchdown in the. In <laughs> I've got the you doing quarter. it now. <laughs> yeah, it's Guyardet's. It's Guyardet's. Um, so you got
1: the, the full pronunciation from him.
0: I got, I got it from Kevin, who told me that Guyardettes told him it's Guyardettes.
1: So, the pronunciation guy that was G-A-L, gal, is incorrect?
0: From my understanding, yes.
1: So, how are we phonetically spelling this? Uh, let's get down this rabbit hole. How are we, so that we say it right, G-U-I, like guy? You, you can say it guy. guy. So, instead, so he's a guy, not a gal? Yes. Guyardettes, because on the, I'm just going with the guide. Of uh, again, this is why sometimes freshmen, and this is this is my complaint. Sometimes players just go with, well, you could just say it, it's fine. No, I don't want to just say it, it's fine. Well, how do you say no, your, name? Let, let let your, your name? How does your mom say right. your name? Right. Let's get that's, your name right. We will right. do what we can to get the name right. We will get everybody on the crew to say it right. We'll get everybody in tune by a couple of games in that everyone will know how to say it. It's like, it and we will not look, call you Junior Baruda. That's yes, or um, a because it was a decade decade. Even though it had an E on the end, he was like, it's a decade. And you hit the A hard on the end. Mm -hmm. My favorite was Lucas Gasson. I said, how do you say it? He says, just say, and I can't do the, you know, the Dutch accent, but he would say, just say guess as fast as you can, and then a French on. Gasson. Gasson. (laughs) Lucas Gasson. And i did it a couple times. He was like, that one right there, do that the whole time. And so, cool. so I sit there and practice the whole time. So, anyways, yeah, so I, 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 okay, I tried to, Okay, Okay, got it. I'm fine say, with that. Uh, I just did not, like, I had not talked to him, but I've got Kevin pretty uh, much in a good spot where, like, you say like, have him say it in their phone a lot, and we'll get together if he's not sure. But uh, we've heard Girardets from the coaches, which uh, what we went with until we were told it wasn't Girardets. Then on the thing, it was Gallardets, GAL, it's the Gallardets, And then you've talked to him, and or did you not talk to? Him? I talked to Kevin. So Kevin said, second hand." Kevin Guides. said,
0: "Via the vis-a-vis the wide receiver himself, who made a phenomenal catch, and that route was awesome uh, because he, he left shot, the guy he, in the dust. He ate the safety's lunch. And I want, I want you to appreciate my restraint because I saw that out of the corner of my eye, and I wanted to just turn." And grab Mark Hutzel by the arm and point and just say on air ooh 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 because I knew immediately where the ball was going. May knew where the ball was going. Gallardetz was coming to him, and uh, or Gallardetz knew it was coming to him, and he made a terrific catch and fell forward into the end zone. That was delightful. I just I enjoyed that entire sequence. And Xavier Gallardetz is a player. He is. A player. Wow. I
1: have, I did not
0: expect this from him right out of the gate. In the first two games of his college career, he's got what one hundred thirteen receiving yards and a touchdown? That's a heck of a start. And he's it's only gonna get better from here. But to the more salient point as we got
1: is you've sidebarred us on pronouncing I want to make sure I said it Guarnets. right. I'll mean, you know, take as much as many people either spell your name wrong or say my name wrong. I would like to uh, try to get his name right. Yeah, it's a saga. Um, but
0: aside from Guyar and aside from Huzzy, who went over two thousand yards receiving
1: in the game, um,
0: which is makes him the third player, I believe in ETSU
1: history to do that. Third, yes, he's behind uh, B.J. BJ Adigan. Adigan and Cecil Moore.
0: Yes, B.J. Addigan. Both those guys really, really good. That's great company. Uh, But Baron May was really the the talking point, right? We weren't sure if Tyler Rydell was going to trot out, uh, if he was going to give it a go, and sounds like it might actually be a little bit before we get Tyler Rydell back because George Coral said on Monday he expects Baron May to go against Austin Pete. And
1: and again, you have a bye week after that. Yeah. So that helps. Same thing with Lewis, same thing with. Davis, same thing with Rodell. I mean, I know if you're, I don't know that ETSU's in a spot where, like, again, they're coming off a, a couple of championships and playoff runs where it's like, well, we got to be worried about. play. Right now, I think ETSU needs to worry about the conference and to try to win the conference to get into it. Not so much worried about the other stuff. Okay, now let me talk. Look, I want to say my sentence about Baron.
0: Baron May played. specific opinion of Baron May going into the game I don't know that you saw anything that changed your mind one way or the other. If you thought this guy's going to be fine you're probably feeling pretty good if you thought this guy has ball security issues well he fumbled in the red zone and sometimes he gets a little antsy in the pocket he did do that And he took off and ran. And sometimes going through his progressions, maybe it wasn't the smoothest. But I think he did enough to validate him being out there as somebody who can make plays in this offense. Uh, Is it the cleanest? Not always. But it was also his first start at any level in four years. So it's going to be a little choppy. And starting a game, knowing you're going to start a game, is very different from coming in in a specialty sub-package. It's very different from coming in because the starter got hurt. It's different from coming in because you're in a blowout and you just don't want to risk anybody else. Like, it, it's It's different. It's different starting a game. Your mindset changes. It shouldn't change, but it does change. We are not naive enough to think that the way you prepare to start a game Knowing that you are going to have command of everything that is called on that given day, you prep different. And overall, I thought May showed enough to earn the trust of his receivers. Uh, he got decent pass protection. Uh, the running back stepped up. Bryson Irby picked up a blitz that, that let May streak out for like a big, I don't know, 15, 16 yard run on a, a, a scramble. I thought you saw enough to have some level of belief that this team can hold its own without Tyler Rydell
1: at quarterback. So the only real two things about Barron, one, I know he loves contact. But I think there's a time and a place where sometimes, you know, you don't have to take unnecessary hits. But he thrives on it. And there are certain players that do. I mean, I kept thinking Austin Herrick, who was more of a lower the shoulder than slide or get out of bounds guy, that, you know, at some point that would wear on him, and it, it just didn't. And some guys are built for that. And I yeah. think, honestly, I think Barron played better after he got a big hit in. You know? Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, like, sometimes, you know, a guy just needs to hit. And – There's a couple of those where I'm like, oof, I I think he could, you know, occasionally get down or get out of bounds. Now, it's different if, you know, you need three yards and you're trying to battle through somebody. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, he had a first down or he wasn't going to get a first down. He's just taking a necessary hit. The second thing is you talked about, you know, I thought maybe, you know, he could hang in the pocket a a little bit longer, maybe a half tick to, to let things develop. But in the same token, as he said, he's not started a game since 2019. And so, that um, and just, you know, I don't know what you and Mark were talking about on TV, but but Matt, being a former quarterback, that he, that, you know, he would talk about that and say, look, as he gets more reps, as he sees more game-like stuff, then the extra half-sick, especially like when you go back and watch it on film, because again, Barron hasn't played a, a full game to get a lot of reps and to to get a look at it, so. To run for over 100 yards uh, for the first time since, what, 2016 for a quarterback? and then, 15. Or 15. And then um, then he threw a couple touchdown passes. And, again, one, Will made a little bit more entertaining than it probably should have been. And the other one, the guy was so wide open, I think he just didn't want to mess it up because I think he kind of, what did Coral say, shot put it out there, as, <laughs> as opposed to just chunking it. But Gallardette's made such a great move. Guyardette's made such a great move, he had to catch himself. Guyardette's made such a great move that he was so wide open. I certainly can see that, and we've seen that before. But I want to talk about the the dime he dropped to Bryson Irby uh, on the wheel route with the linebacker, you know, 33 yards down the sideline. I thought that was by far a – that showed a confident looking pass. And
0: and that one didn't even look – that clean coming out of the hand like you could see the stripes wobble back and forth it, it almost looked a little bit like a punt but he knew where his guy was and he got the throw and he took a hit he took a hard hit to make that throw that's something that you like to see from your quarterback in the sense that he once he has his read once he is locked on target there is nothing that will stop him from going out there to that target. I thought Irby made a great adjustment on that ball. And, again, that's just one more thing that he has shown he is capable of doing. And that's all you're looking for.
1: Show me that you're capable.
0: And I think Baron may show that he was capable Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think the, the, you know, and I know we're talking, it's 42 nothing. you know, it's all sunshine and rainbows. But the one thing I think that's still kind of glaring, and I've, I'm trying to chart it, I, I won't have it, as we do this podcast on a Tuesday morning. But Thursday, I'm going to look at handoffs because taking read options out, taking uh, Baron scrambling out of the pocket yardage, I think ETSU only averaged about three yards per handoff. And that, that that that's a concern at any level. And, again, this is game two for the line. They are still learning. The protection stuff, talking to Jake Galermo, there was a lot better communication. There wasn't as many breakdowns. They're starting to play more. So, they're starting to get there. The other thing is, is the one thing when you have Tyler Riddell call out stuff and then you got Baron May and they're running a little bit different scheme for Baron May, you know, calling out stuff. It's just different. The line's just trying to do whatever. But that that's probably a concern for me because, again, you know, 42 nothing. it was exactly how it should have happened. The defense got the shutout. The offense at times looked pretty dominant where they weren't dominant ETSU three for 11 on third down again. Um, now as corals brought up, but really it was like five for 13. because they were two for two on fourth down and they did say, Hey, third and two, third and one, we've got two downs. Like we're, we're already making the call. We're going to go for that. So they treated it as such and we're able still to convert that, but three for 13 on that, uh, they converted on a couple third and longs. One was the, the touchdown pass on third and 14, third goal from the 14-yard line. The other one was a bear may scramble for 16 yards on a third and 13. And then um, uh, I think it was like a third and six they converted. But they did not convert on third and one, third and two a couple times. And so that is also uh, very concerning as an offense. And they averaged three uh, – they averaged 7.2 yards on third down. So again, that's something I've charted since the return of football and try to keep up with. And so, uh, and that's not a this year team problem. That has been a huge problem since football has been rebooted at ETSU of staying out of for the year, third and long, and um, you know having fifty some percent or higher since it's been back of third and longs. I mean, it's one thing if you can get okay. We got about 30% third and shorts. We got about 30% third and mediums. And we got 30% third and longs, right? That's about how it should probably equal out if you look across most football, right? It's about a third of each. ETSU is not there. It's like 10 to 15% in third and short. It's like 25 to 40% on third and medium. And the rest is third and long every year. So ETSU still has to do a better job of uh, correcting that. But I. I thought Baron may, given his first start, was able to go. I don't know how you can't take, um, you know, some positives. I mean, every game I could probably pick out some plays and go, oh, well, you know, probably Tyler or Baron or name a quarterback could have, could have you know, may, may, maybe look this way instead of that way on a pass play and all the other stuff. I mean, that, that's – I mean, every quarterback you could probably sit there and nitpick it. But I thought for uh, – and I thought this too. Now, we talk about – or I did – him – tucking around a little bit early, every time he did it, there was a positive. I mean, he didn't, um, to my knowledge, um, off the top of my head, he did not lose yardage when doing that. Whenever he pulled the ball down and took off, there was a positive result in that. So it is hard to sit there and go, well, you know, he stayed in the pocket a little bit longer. Maybe he could have hit bigger plays down the field because ETSU had nine uh, big plays, seven in the ground game and then two in the air, and they probably had some opportunities – uh, a little bit more in the air, but in the same token, some of those and weren't 25-yard pass completions; they were 16-yard runs. So again, I think you're splitting hairs, or I'm splitting hairs in, in that regard, because he had positive plays whenever he did tuck the ball and go with it. And so,
0: right, I, I think the one thing that you would you would look at that and say, okay, that works against Carson Newman, but what about a team that flies to the football the way that Austin P can when they're locked in? Um, I think this team gets to the ball pretty well especially in the flats Uh, just just beyond that that five yards beyond the line of scrimmage out on the the flanks um, outside the hashes, I think they do a pretty solid job inside the hashes they're a little bit more vulnerable but ETSU hasn't really, like you talked about they haven't really shown a great ability to run between the tackles, so you want to be able to throw you want to be able to bust up the seams, you want to get Noah West involved in the pass game you know, Guyardettes has some opportunities um, to make some plays as a, a guy who's got you know a little bit of a bigger body than some of the the DBs they're going to throw at him, and obviously Huzzy Huzzy down the boundary is going to be there, uh, but like those those plays in the middle of the field are where Southern Illinois just ate Austin P alive, and that's where ETSU I think is still missing something because they've shown an ability to be effective outside the hashes, what can you do between them?
1: That's where
0: great great football teams are separated from good football teams. And we're going to we're gonna have to have that conversation about a couple other SOCON teams here in a minute. But that's where I really see ETSU's opportunity and it's where they need to get better the most urgently. So maybe that works out pretty nicely. Because if you can be effective between the tackles, I think you can beat Austin P. Austin Peay played a ton of light boxes against Tennessee. Tennessee went vanilla and just didn't didn't want to show, I guess, a lot of their run stuff. ETSU doesn't care. ETSU will put their run stuff on film. They need to put their run stuff on film this week, and they need to put the intermediate pass game over the middle of the field in there this week. That's got. That is where I see this game. Uh, being won or lost for ETSU is, is with the offense on the field and with the ability to work between the hash marks uh, or at the very least between the numbers uh, against Austin P How effective they are there is what's going to determine whether they win or Okay, it's time to await. Oh,
1: He's got a big finish coming out A lightsaber. How about a big
0: start? Yeah, it's just like say big start. The the Socon runs through the place? Question mark. Of Collawy. Collawy is a census designated place in North Carolina. And also, it is a place that I think the Sanford Bulldogs would like to never go again after Saturday. They were down 14-7 in the second quarter, and a lightning delay happened that kept them off the field for five hours, and then they were down 17-7, and then they were down 20-7, and then they were down 30-7, and they lost to Western Carolina, snapping their winning streak in Southern Conference play that dated back to, actually, I think it it dated back to 2021. I don't know if they won their last game in 2021. It doesn't matter. The streak is over now. Uh, the undefeated reigning champions of a year ago uh, will not be undefeated in the SOCON this year. And we have a new contender on the scene because, holy smokes, Western Carolina.
1: I got a lot. So, opening the game, Western goes down the field, goes it fourth and goal from like to two, gets stopped, stuffed, whatever, and then Sanford goes 98 yards and scores on the first drive. And then they don't score again. Right before the lightning delay, Michael Hires is scrambling. He does a spin move and gets absolutely hammered. And if they were going to play the game, because right as that happened is when the lightning delay hit, and so they had to call it. And he got a five-hour break to get the cobwebs off. I don't know that he would have played next couple series. And to be honest, I'm not sure he – that had to be in his mind or something because he didn't play, I thought, very Michael hires like There were a couple of mistakes that were hard to fathom. For an example, down 14-7, they drive down the field. They're midfield. I think they're like at the 45-yard line of Western, fourth and five, minute 20. They decide to go for it. And Hires takes like a 12, 14-yard sack. So then Western only runs one or two plays, gets some field goal range. They, they kick a field goal, and it takes it, you know, to a – 17 or 20, whatever it was, nothing lead at that, or 20 to seven lead at that time. And then in the second half, the Desmond Reed and that offensive line, the biggest improvement, and I knew that they had brought in a lot of speed and they got speed everywhere. The biggest improvement for Western Carolina, the defensive front, and three or four guys were able to get the hires almost all night, and the offensive line just mauled Sanford, and they kept grinding the ball. It was unbelievable. I I watched
0: Western Carolina's offensive line against Arkansas, and I said, wow, that's a pretty good group. Uh, You know, Arkansas is not going to do anything exotic. They couldn't get home with four. They kept Gonzalez upright. Um, Let's see how they run the ball. Well, they didn't run the ball, I don't think, super great against Arkansas, but they sure did against Sanford, and that – offensive line, which is coached by Jeremy Darbo this year, Kerwin Bell, I believe, is either connected to or worked with at Florida. He was at Southern Miss most recently. Uh, He has put eight dudes in the league. He's he's done a phenomenal job with that offensive line since coming in this year. Um, That has been a major upgrade, and it might even be the best offensive line unit in the Southern Conference. We all thought it would be Furman right because Furman returned basically everybody and they added Fred Norman but it's Darvo it's it's with Western Carolina what Darvo's doing is absolutely spectacular they looked as cohesive and just mean as and they had a counter run i think it was on the second drive of the game it might have been the first but i think it was the second drive of the game where they just rolled the entire defensive front to the right side outside the hash marks, and Des Reed had a lane that you could have run through. I mean, it was, it was if you you literally could have driven your Ford F three fifty or whatever it is you have, uh, your way too big truck. You could have driven it through that hole and not hit anybody. That's how that's how well the offensive line was was clicking for the Catamounts on Saturday. And that's where I really feel like they have an advantage. If you're good up front on the offensive and defensive lines, and Western is, you've got something. Some people will say, well, you know, Western's good for a game like that. I think this is different. I think this might be different.
1: So it was Feaster fan, really for Western, okay, they had ten drives. Mm-hmm. And I'm only going to count nine because – They got the ball with 11 seconds to go in a half. Two plays, got a field goal off. So, you take that out. Out of the other nine drives, seven of the nine, nine plays or more. Mm -hmm. They held the ball for 41 minutes, and it was a clinic. I mean, it was a lot of hand it off, hand it off, a little throw in the flat, but they kept getting first downs, they kept moving. And the one thing we know about Sanford is – if you're going – they don't care about time of possession, but what they do care about is the fact that they ran, you know, about a third less plays. So, 84 plays for Western, 57 for Sanford. No, they, they that's do that's not nearly they, enough for them. They care more about the play total than they do the time of possession, but still, that, that's not, not a good number. And then in the second half, I mean, when Western could really just kind of go at them. I mean, Sanford only had four possessions in the second half, three in the third and only one possession in the fourth quarter. And so – Western put on a claim. But the the M.O. to beat um, Sanford is is about the same, right? If you can get to said quarterback, no matter who it is, and can drop everybody else in coverage, you're going to be successful. And then if you can run a lot more plays. I mean, when ETSU beat them in 2015, um, that's basically what they did. They held the ball for almost 42 minutes in the game. They ran a, th- you know, a third more plays, and it was basically that's the – Kind of the formula. Unless unless your ETSU of 2021 where it got in a shootout and ETSU could keep up and score. And there are a few teams that can. Yeah. But for the most part, when teams beat Samford, that is how they beat them. And Western Carolina's offensive and defensive line were very impressive in that game. And as I have kind of thumped the drum going into this year, the one team I said I didn't know what I was going to get all year because to me the ceiling is super high but then the floor was also could be super low. Now, all of a sudden, that floor is starting to come up a little bit and that ceiling is starting to expand for Western Carolina. I think that's a statement
0: win for the Catamounts. And
1: their, their, the back end of their
0: defense was going to be interesting to me. You know, outside linebacker, they've got Antoine Williams, who was at Austin P. He was all A son, and he got to hires and just, I mean, knocked the snot out of him on one play and, and made his presence felt. That's what he was brought in for. He's not a big dude. He's like five foot ten. Uh, you know, 205, so he's got some bulk to him, but he's not like a super tall, long guy that's just going to swallow the quarterback like a megalodon shark, you know, in one big gulp. He's going to get after him, though, and, and, and when he hits, it's going to hurt. Uh, the other guy that I that stood out to me was Rod Gattison at corner. Uh, they brought him in. He's a, I think he's been there for a little bit, but um, he is. He got downhill a few times and, and made some plays at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I thought Sanford's wide receivers did not look remotely interested in blocking. And Gaddison took advantage of that a couple of times and created some negative plays on some short passes in the flat that are, you know, behind the line of scrimmage that are, are designed to get a block from the wide receiver and move forward. And that simply did not happen. Because Western's receivers, or not Western, Sanford's receivers just didn't really seem like they wanted it that badly, and they just they they, they didn't quite let guys go, but they also didn't do everything that they could. And I I have some concerns about Sanford's offensive line as well. I have bigger concerns about their defensive line. They looked pretty rough, and uh, I I also didn't think their offensive line looked super great against shorter either. Hires took some hits in that game, so. I don't know, man. Sanford's got some question
1: marks. So, flipping back to Western for just a second, hearing Kerwin Bell's comments after beating Chattanooga last year about coming off the bye week and really trying to get things refocused. And now they knocked off Wofford and ETSU, which were two teams that weren't particularly great. But then they knocked off a uh, number 15 or 17, depending on which poll you look at, Chattanooga, and then they roll around the next year. You play Arkansas, fine, take that away. Then you play a top-10 team. In Sanford And, again, I think seven or eight, depending on what poll you're looking at, they yep. win that game. And so now you're talking about four straight wins in the league, like opponents, and a couple of ranked opponents back-to-back games. And they're going to go to an EKU team that's going to be interesting. So we'll see. If Western goes on the road and knocks off EKU, I think there's a very, very much a possibility that you're talking about them as possible Southern Conference, not just contenders, but maybe – possible Southern Conference champion conversation. Now they go lose at EKU, I'm going to wait and see how that game plays out to see maybe how that goes. And even if they were to lose EKU, I could still see them in the conversation and competing for a Southern Conference championship. But I'm thinking they're going to be a huge threat if they go to EKU and pick up that win. So that's a big game. Do you know who they they get get off off their bye this year? Who do they get to buy this
0: year? Furman at home. Hmm. Uh oh, it's a lot of purple. Uh oh, it's a lot of purple. Uh oh, but yeah, they could. They, I mean, they could easily go into their bye week five and one, based on what we've seen. Uh, at EKU, I think that's a very winnable game for this particular Western Carolina team. Charleston Southern at home, you should you you play the way you played on Saturday, you're gonna be fine. Uh, at the Citadel, again,
1: play the way you played on Saturday, you're
0: gonna be fine, and then at Chattanooga, we'll see. You know that one could be interesting. I didn't get to watch Chattanooga Kennesaw State uh, this weekend. Saw so Chattanooga won. Uh, obviously, Artopia's threw the ball a ton because I guess that's their offense now. But I am, and also they had to come back again. Um, but uh, that is that is a schedule that sets up really nicely for Western to get get up to flying speed and then just. Um, once they're they're off and rolling, man, look out. That could that could be, you know. A lot of times it's been sort of the hand cart, like sometimes you know we, we, we have the push cart on the rails where you got to push it up and push the, the the what is it the handle I call it the handlebars up and down in the middle to make it go. And sometimes it goes really fast and sometimes it doesn't depending on how much you're you're putting into it. I think this team is more like the freight train than the hand cart. This is once they get rolling, they could get rolling.
1: Just curious, uh, Kennesaw State threw for one hundred and eighty-one yards, twelve of sixteen. There's some question marks in that Chattanooga secondary. There are. I, I'm really. Good. I was really not
0: impressed with Cam Brown against North Alabama. Um, I he got cooked a couple times. Like I said, I gotta go back and watch it. But um, yeah, I, I do. That one's not, That too. one's on my radar as well.
1: Yeah, just rolling through a, a couple other things. Uh, VMI, Bucknell, we thought maybe they had a shot to win that. Bucknell was able to um, outscore them in the fourth quarter, 21-13. Uh, so, the key Dads can't make it two in a row. I have no idea why I was talking about the Citadel. They got hammered 56-7 uh, to Campbell. Uh, William & Mary, 23-6 winner over Wofford. Wofford got a couple of field goals in the first half and was right there uh, late in the first half. I think uh, William & Mary got a, a touchdown run right before halftime and that made it uh, 20-6, and then they never looked back from there. Yeah. Uh, But, again, I thought a good showing
0: for Wofford's defense. They didn't just get completely obliterated.
1: Uh, Furman had an interesting 14-14 with South Carolina, and then South Carolina just uh, turned it on. So, uh, no knock on that, you know, 47-21 South Carolina over there. So, this week coming up, we'll give you uh, just a quick glance, and then we'll talk about it more on Thursday. But Western EKU is is an interesting game. I think Furman at Kennesaw is a, a pretty interesting game. Wofford's got a shot to beat Presbyterian you got a couple teams playing up, VMI at NC State, Samford at Auburn. Obviously, uh, the game will pay a lot of attention to ETSU-Austin P. And then there's only one conference game, and that's Citadel. Bless them. Got to go to Chattanooga. And, uh, and they're going to get
0: destroyed. Yes. Uh, Believe Maurice when he tells you they're not a good football team. They're not. They're not. The best games of the week, or at least the ones these two dorks want to watch. No! The pick six. Pick, all by pick six recap from the weekend at the 50. We had North Alabama at Tarleton. So, well, well reset, reset. Uh, coming in to this weekend, week one, I went two and five, and Sandoz went two and four. Woo! So Sandoz has a half game lead coming in. 50 yard line, North Alabama at Tarleton. Sandoz picked Tarleton. I picked UNA. And UNA flopped like a tuna.
1: I knew they the would. End. I knew they would. Keith was buying in after one game.
0: Um, And the final score of that game was? Pretty ugly, wasn't it? Tarleton, 52, North Alabama, 31.
1: Yeah, it wasn't that ugly. But it
0: wasn't. Oh, it was three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, that was pretty ugly. Yeah,
0: 40-yard line, Weber State at Northern Iowa. We both picked the Wildcats. I thought Weber was maybe a bit underrated. And I think I was right because Northern Iowa turned the ball over a ton. And uh, Weber won that game thirty-four to seventeen at Cedar Falls.
1: So my thing there wasn't so much about Weber State; it's the typical Northern Iowa. After about week four, somehow they figure out how to play good football, and I can't figure that out.
0: I think Northern Iowa might not actually be that
1: good. I think that's possible. That could be the case too.
0: I think that's also a a very real possibility. So uh, a win for both of us there. Southern Illinois holds on to defeat Northern Illinois fourteen to eleven. It's
1: a brilliant take by Keith.
0: And I picked the Salukis. Sandoz picked the Huskies because I watched the Valley for six years, and he didn't. Uh, Twenty-yard line, Idaho and Nevada. We both picked the Vandals. I did not expect them to win at thirty-three to six, the way that they did. Idaho is for real. Sanford, Western Carolina. We both picked the Bulldogs. We've we've kind of talked that one. Uh, circles at the goal line montana state and south dakota state both picked the jackrabbits a potential game-winning touchdown for the bobcats was overturned on video replay it was that close
1: so that was a little closer than you thought you thought maybe uh, the jackrabbits bought a couple touchdowns well now
0: remember what i said was that Montana State has to prove that they won't get obliterated on the line of scrimmage for 60 minutes, and I think they proved that. Oh, I agree. I think they proved that. that. Their offensive and defensive lines are considerably improved from what they have been in the recent past, and Brent Vegan, who was the offensive coordinator at North Dakota State for many years, has taken a lot of that blueprint out to Bozeman and is building something real and sustainable out there with the work that Jeff Choate did, the groundwork that Jeff Choate laid. He has taken it to the next level. This, is, this isn't this is over.
1: And the flip side, the Jackrabbits get a play, Montana State and North Dakota State, and check the box for the first one.
0: And they get to prove it. They get to prove that they are
1: the number one team. And you know what?
0: You, you can say, well, if it wasn't for an overturn on video replay, yeah, but also by rule he didn't complete the catch. So I, have no, I have no
1: issue on, on – I mean, we've replayed for a reason. It did its job. Yeah, it got the call right.
0: And Montana – I thought both teams were not perfect. Montana State still had some false start penalties. Um, there, there was a lot of pre-snap stuff that just wasn't as crisp as I think either team would like it to be. But if this is the Frisco rematch, sign me up. This game was awesome. And we both got it right. Uh, Extra point, Santa Claus picked Nebraska Uh, over Colorado. First half,
1: I thought I was was, uh, living La Vida Loca, and then it uh, turned quickly.
0: And I picked North Carolina Central over North Carolina A&T. That felt like a slam dunk because Central is ranked and got a lot of hype, and A&T looked like a rebuilding year, uh, even though Massey had A&T favored in the game. I took that and ran to the hills with it. I went five and two this week. Sandoz went four and two this week. So after two weeks, Jay is six and six, and I am seven and seven. All right, so we're even. We're even, except I I have more wins. But 500, also we're, we're five hundred.
1: 500. We're 500. Yeah, we're yeah, both five hundred. we we can sell that later. All right, Thursday got a fun show, right? We got uh, we're going to break down the game fully, but we're not just going to give you ETSU side.
0: No, Brian Reeves, the voice of the Austin P Governors, will join
1: us. The Gubs, I know, Governor. We will start to look at some of the there's some more intriguing games this week in the Southern Conference uh non conference. Last week it was really like one, uh maybe two, but it wasn't a lot. So there's about three or four we could look at this week, as we'll take a look around that. Plus we'll have pick six where I will uh you know get the lead on Keith. I look forward to seeing you try. I gotta be better on my upset specials. Uh, right yeah, now. you you gotta really you know gotta that. be better on
0: your upset picks. Yeah, I mean, that's where that's where you can make the difference.
1: I've been I, actually I've been a kiss of death because both my teams have probably lost by an average of like 32 points. So there we go. You know who didn't lose by 32? The Buccaneers. They beat Carson Evan. Jake Keith. Buccaneers, Carson! <laughs>
0: oh, you gotta be kidding me!